Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. All right. Come on, well, are you glad you're in church this morning? There's five safe people in the house. Are you glad that you're in house this, in church this morning? Come on. Hey, give it up for our worship crew. Give it up for Grant. Come on. So anointed on the keys. What an amazing morning we have had. I don't know about you, but this morning in particular, I am so grateful that Jesus is king and I am not. I am so grateful that God is God and Matt is not. Amen. How many of you are such, hey, uh, wow, I got immediately attacked and uh, I'm offended. <laughs> Um, just kidding, just kidding. But man, I gotta tell you, I am so grateful. I know, I know the world is the way it is right now. I know our nation is the way it is right now. I know so much is going on, but I gotta tell you, there is one king, and he has not budged from his throne, and he is seated above. Come on, somebody. He has saved us from our depths and depravity, and he has placed us next to him in heavenly places. Amen. So give it up for Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Come on. We don't live by the opinion of man. We live by the sword of God. Amen. Come on. Well, this morning, I haven't had a chance to meet you yet. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here alongside my beautiful bride who's off being awesome. Double duty, triple duty, 50 duties this morning. Adrienne earlier, we're the lead pastors here at TakeOver, and it's awesome to have you in the house. But this morning, we are continuing our series, In the Wilderness. Come on. Yo, give it up for Pastor Scott. He crushed it last week. Come on. Come on, it was amazing. And uh, this morning I'm excited to continue this series. Has anybody else been loving this series so far? Has anybody else hated this series so far? I am preaching to myself, people. This is hard stuff in hard times, but we are raising up some fortified, hard and steel Christians in this hour, amen? Come on, well let's get after it. Who is ready for the word of God this morning? Oh. Fantastic. Well then, hey, uh, Miss Kelsey in the back, if you could throw up the wilderness prayer. We're going to hit the wilderness prayer. This is something that we've been uniting around this entire series so far. We're going to keep uniting around it. So I want you to repeat after me, and we are just going to get on the same page. Does that sound good? Come on, somebody. All right. Somebody say, God. 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 Come on, say them like you know it. God. There we go. Make me a voice in this generation. God, make me a shepherd after your own heart. I want to know you for real. I want to burn with your holy fire. I want to feel what you feel. See how you see. And move like you move. I open my heart to you. Release upon the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of your son. Set my heart on fire, on fire, on fire. Make my life a life of prayer. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Come on, come on. All right. 
Fantastic. Let's go. Let's go. Man, we didn't come for the play play today. We came for the real thing. Amen? Come on. Well, if you're taking notes, the title of my message today, are you ready? Conquering in the wilderness. Conquering in the wilderness. Oh, we, we ain't ready. I'm not ready. It's, it's going down. Conquering in the wilderness. We just turn and ask your neighbor, hey, you ready to conquer? You ready to conquer? Turn to your second choice neighbor and tell them, you better get ready to conquer. <laughs> it's always that second choice, that second choice neighbor. It's not as valued as much. And it says a lot about you when you don't turn to that person first. Anyways, I'm kidding. Open up your Bibles. If it's going to be on the Sky Bible behind me, or if you're one of those cool kids, you probably have it on your phone. Um, but uh, if you got the old school leather bound family Bible, uh, open that Bad Jackson up to Romans 8, 26 through 39. Uh, if you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not, say, I need a minute. We ain't got time to lose, friend. Come on. Romans 8, 26 through 39. 8, 26 through 39. All right, here we go. Ready? Likewise, the Spirit helps us. In, see, somebody knows. Somebody knows. They were like, oh, it's like he says one word. I'm just going to repeat it. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts, what is, the mind, what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the likeness of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he has also justified. And those he has justified, he has also glorified. Somebody say, this is good news. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Somebody say, who? 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 Who could be against us? It's a new day. Yes, it is. He who did not spare his own son, but gave up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Somebody say, who? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Will it be tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation. Somebody say all of creation. Mm. Will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. All right. We're going to pray and we're going to get down to it. Sound good? fantastic. Father God, whew. God, it is an honor. It is an honor and privilege, God, to be in your house. It is an honor and privilege to be a carrier of your spirit. It is an honor and privilege to be a messenger of Christ. Father, it is an honor and privilege that we have a building, that we have a team that 
leads us in worship, that we have the ability to come here freely, God, and just lay ourselves before you, to sit at your feet, for you to, to come and wreck us and to love us and to change us and to build us up and to break us down in areas. And God, today, Father, we ask for a Sunday unlike any other, God. We want activation in this house, God. We want mission in this house, Father God. Father, this morning, we want to be a people who are holy, holy set apart for you and your cause in the earth, God. Father, begin today to separate those things within us, God, that, that, that are too much like the world. God, today, begin to break off the things in us that make us look too much like our coworkers, that make us look too much like our old college friends, to make us to look too much like the neighbors that we live beside. God, set us apart today. Put something above us, God. Give us a flame above our head that is a clear indicator that we are Christians, that we belong to you, that we have a hope unlike any other, that we have a future that we are excited about, that we got a reason to praise in the midst of all the hell going on around us, Father God. We thank you, Jesus, that you are setting your church apart today. Father, we commit to being a glorious bride. And we want to love you well. We want to honor you well. And we want to go and bring about your salvation into the nation. So set us apart today. In Jesus' mighty name, Holy Spirit, come. Every other spirit, get on out. God, come and do your thing. In Jesus' mighty name, a faith-filled, holy fire, Holy Spirit-filled kind of church set. Amen. Amen. Oh, we have a church today. Oh, man. My wife is like, I regret whenever we give you a week off. And I'm like, it's because I'm too hyped when I get back. <laughs> too excited. Oh, man. Well, this morning, conquering in the wilderness. Conquering in the wilderness. Friends, there is a reason I feel stirred for this. There is a reason that I am excited for this season. Friends, I am not unaware of the way the world looks. I'm not unaware of what is going on. I am not unaware of what is happening outside our four walls within our very own nation and state in the times of which we live in. But man, we got too many Christians in this hour that are needed to be living a conquering kind of lifestyle. Instead, we got too many of us living defeated. We got too many of us being shut in. We got too many of us avoiding the fight. I'm sorry. We were not made to avoid the fight. Jesus did not save you to avoid the fight. You were born for the fight. Amen. This is our time. This is our time. This is our city. This is our hill. We will die on it and we will live on it and we will become the glorious bride that Jesus Christ gave his life for. Amen. And friends, I just got to be honest. 1 Corinthians 4.20, which is the only 4.20 that matters. 1 Corinthians 4.20, y'all, come on. Someone's like, the devil's lettuce? Yeah. <laughs> Moses had a burning bush, and that calmed down, okay? Ain't no high like the most high. Anyways, 1 Corinthians 4.20 says this. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says this, y'all ready? I think it's going to be up on the Sky Bible. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says this, for the kingdom of God is not mere talk, but is living by the power of God. Amen. Come on, friends, I got to tell you, I love you. I love this opportunity that we have to be the bride of Christ in this hour. I love, I love, I love, I love so much the honor to be a pastor in this hour, to be a watchman in this hour, to be the crazy guy out in the in the wilderness preparing the way for the Lord. I value that, I love all that, and I love you, and I love you too much to simply preach to your anxieties. I love you simply too much to preach to, to your overwhelming days. Friends, if all I did 
was preached in mere words to what is merely happening in your day-to-day, but I did not come and equip you with the power of heaven, the power of God, the things Jesus Christ actually went to the cross to die for, to equip you for, then friends, we would not be a church fully realized. We are committed. We are committed. We are committed to being a house that will die to be the church that Jesus died for. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. And I understand we live in overwhelming times. I understand we live in some overwhelming situations. I understand there are some things going on. But if we do this thing, and it is mere talk to us, but we do not actually move in power, God's dream for his bride goes unrealized. If we do not move in power, God's dream for his bride goes unrealized. This is not mere talk, but this is power. Somebody say power. Come on, friends. God, we, we are not going to be the church that is toothless. We are going to be the truth. We are going to be the church that is truthful. Amen. Jesus Christ did not go to the cross to die and rise again, to defeat all of hell, sin, death, and the grave, just to have a toothless, unobserving, uninitiated, sleep at night when all of hell is breaking loose in the world around us kind of church. Amen. No, Jesus Christ went to the cross for a power-filled church, amen? Jesus went to the cross, Jesus went to the cross not for an unpowerful church, but a power-filled church, amen? Come on, somebody. We are going to be a conquering church. So many of us, we are out here just repeatedly living defeated. But dare I say, none of us woke up today going, you know what, I kind of hope the devil just kicks me in the face, Right? Like, I would guarantee that, right? I think, I think so many of us, we live day-to-day lives where it's like, we need prayer for this, we need prayer for that, and we love prayer. We are all for it. We have a complete section of church dedicated to prayer because it works, and it's God's given power to us. Amen? We love prayer, but man, we are Christians who are living so defeated so often, and I just feel like God is in his, on his throne in heaven, and he is going, would you walk in some authority? Would you just take the reins that I gave you? I made all of hell pay. I ripped the curtain from the top down. I I separated everything that separated us, okay? I've given you all authority. Would you just use a little bit of it? I even think when Jesus is like, if you just had faith of a mustard seed, sometimes God is just in heaven saying those same words to us. He's just like, would you please, I love you. I am for you, I will do this, but I'm telling you, you've got so much more on the inside of you. You don't have to live beat down to beat down, but you are the breakthrough for the breakthrough, amen? This is who we are. We are not mere talk, we are power. Man, we are just in a time and a place where there is a deficit of power, and there is too much talk. I don't want to be a church that just talks about it. I want to be a church that's about it, about it. Amen? I want to be a church that's about that life. I want to be a church that's crazy enough to say, no, we actually believe the word of God and we're going to go for it. I want us to be a church that says, no, if God said it, I can do it. Friends, so often, I don't think we doubt the magnitude of what God is actually able to do. I think we actually spend a lot of time doubting whether he will do it. Not that he can, but will he? But he hung Jesus on the cross saying, I will, and I am. And because I am, and because I will, you can. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Come on. Is there anybody in here today that would proclaim you want to be a conquering church? 
You want to be a conquering Christian? Seriously, put your hands up. Is there a conquering Christian in this house? Give me one. I can do with one. I can do with one what the world will do with hundreds. I'm telling you, we will be a conquering church. Friends, we live in a time and a place that is too dark and it is too desperate at times for us not to believe the word of God, to believe that you have the authority he gave you, to believe anything other than Jesus simply went to the cross to alleviate your anxieties. No, he came to sit you in heavenly places next to him. He came to endow you with all power given unto him. He came to fill you with his Holy Spirit. He came and he died and he rose again, not that you would live a life of perpetual beatdown, but you would live from a place of perpetual victory. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? This isn't prosperity gospel. This is just the gospel. Conquering in the wilderness. Friends, it is the wilderness that will create a conqueror out of you. It is the wilderness that will create a conqueror out of you. If you haven't heard any of the other messages in this series, go back, check them out, catch on up. It'll bless you. But right now, what the world needs is a conquering church. Friends, I'm not interested in the Jesus movement of the 70s coming back. I'm interested in a complete and total Jesus takeover in our time. I believe, friends, if we will get this today, if we will leave here today with the cause in our hearts being, I am supposed to be a conquering Christian. We are supposed to be a conquering church. I believe you and I will embark on the greatest adventure of our lifetime called revival. I believe this wholeheartedly, friends, that our city, we could go from Grand Rapids to Grand Revival. Am I preaching to anybody? Come on. Friends, I believe it, and I need you to receive it, and I need you to believe it, and I need us to rally around this because right now there are too many Christians asleep at the wheel. There is too much death going on in our world, and right now God wants to intervene, but will his church answer the call? Will his church answer the call? As your pastor, we're going to answer the call. We're going to answer the call. We will not shrink back. We will shine bright in the darkness, and we will hunger and thirst after righteousness and righteousness alone. Amen. So here's Paul. I love the Apostle Paul. He is writing to Peter's church in Rome. Peter is the uh, pastor of the church in Rome at large, and this is awesome because the Roman church is amazing. The Roman church is absolutely crushing it. They are killing it. But here's the problem. The Roman church is actually they're in Rome. <laughs> they're in Rome, and that's the problem. You see, Rome at this point in time is basically Babylon 2.0. Rome at this time is basically Babylon 2.0, where sex is God, Caesar is king, he, they are ruling and reigning, they hate the church, slaves are being set free, the slave, the commoner, and the elite are all coming to know Christ, and the government and the powers of darkness and all of hell is taking notice of this church that is really just messing things up for the Roman Empire. This church is really disturbing the culture. The church is actually on mission and changing things. They're not just talking about it, they're being about it, amen? This is the same church that started with 120 people in an upper room, just like that, praying for God to come, re reminding themselves for 10 days that Jesus said, wait, don't do a single thing besides wait on me until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is that church. 
and they are active and they are on mission and they are living in the midst of Babylon 2.0 where all of culture, all of government, all of hell and the demonic are against them. They would truly be the underdog except for the underdog is really messing things up for the kingdom, for the established empire. A church is messing it up. Friends, this is the part where I want to clue you in. This isn't too much unlike where we find ourselves today. And I just got to kind of be honest, because in this hour, I see a lot of talk. I see a lot of talk, and I see a lot less action. I see a lot of talk, and I see a lot less power. And I am telling you, friends, Babylon will always fall, but Babylon doesn't fall because we talk about it. Babylon falls because we're actually about it. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? You see, the reality is this. So many Christians, we have this idealized understanding of America. I love this place. I love this place. I am so blessed to be here. We are so blessed to be here that we have a constitution that says we get to do this, that people can't mess with, that we can meet here and have religious freedom and liberty to find ourselves on our knees before God like Hamza earlier and just weeping before the Lord that we have the right to do that. Amazing. But so many of us, we have this idealized version of America that we're hoping to get back to. But friends, let me tell you, America has, never will be, New Jerusalem. America is far closer to Babylon and Rome than it is a New Jerusalem. As great as America is, as great as she will be again, as great and bright as the days ahead of us are for the church, because the, in the Revelation says the church will shine bright in the end. We will be hated, we will be persecuted, but we will shine bright, amen? And so as great as things will be, as crazy as things will get, all of these things, we have got to understand it's our mission. And I just look at this church and I go, they are messing things up for the kingdom, for Rome. They are messing things up for the empire. They are messing things up for hell. They are messing things up for the culture. And I wonder today, is the church in Grand Rapids messing things up for the city of Grand Rapids? For the culture of Grand Rapids? Is the church of Michigan messing things up for the culture in Michigan? Is the church in Michigan the mitten church? Are we messing things up for the culture in the mitten? For the demonic powers that rest here? For the government? Are we messing things up the way they were? Are we turning heads? Are we disturbing the peace? Are we upsetting the order by ushering a kingdom in that says no? We can see the lame walk. We can see the deaf here. We can see bodies resurrect. We can see marriages restored. We can see sexuality made pure. We can see people set above. What are we doing? Is the church in this nation, is our governing bodies taking notice? Is the powers of hell taking notice? Is culture looking at church and saying, we hate you? Not because we set out to be offensive, but simply because we live by Jesus' words and Jesus' words in direct contradiction to the world's words. We're not setting out to offend on purpose. We're setting out to be set apart by Jesus. And so I just wonder, when the devil drives by you, does he get a flat tire? When the devil comes your way, does he stumble? 
when culture comes for you and wants you to buy in? Are you with something that bruises their heel? Are we taken after our big brother Jesus? Are we living such contradictions to the culture around us that people are saying, man, they must have been with Jesus because they are different. They are different. They are able to love me and disagree with me all at the same time. They are different. They stand when all else is pushing them down. They are different. They are conquerors when everyone else around them are succumbers. They are different. Are we going to be this same church? Because this is amazing. See, they're doing so well, but even them needed encouragement from Paul. Even they needed to be reminded, friends, this isn't about Greek or Jew anymore. This isn't about Gentiles and insiders and outsiders. No, 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 we have all been made, restored, brought in, adopted into the kingdom and family of God. This is now about getting everyone else. And what we see here are slaves being set free and slave owners letting them go free and all of them finding themselves at the same altars. The same altars as priests, the same altars as sex workers, the same altars as adulterers, the same altars as thieves. All of them are lining up at the same altar. This is what we are seeing, and that is because the church decided we will not bend a knee to Caesar, we bend a knee to Jesus. We're not married to Caesar, we're married to Jesus. We're not married to hell, we're married to heaven. I preach to anybody this morning. We do not respond to culture. We respond to our Savior. We do not react to the government. We react to the kingdom. We do not react to our sinful nature. We react to our Savior. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? This is whom we are. Where is the church? And we're called to be a conquering bride. We are a conquering bride. So many of us, we get uneasy about this because of the temperature of the world that we live in right now. And we hear words like takeover or conquering. And, and we're just like, oh, Matt, that's, that's pretty heavy. That's pretty for real. Those are some big boy words that the, the world is kind of hijacked right now. And it kind of makes it sound like we're colonizing. We are. We are. But we're going to be a heaven colony here on earth. We're going to be a heavenly citizenship here on earth. Our citizenship is not of Michigan or the United States. It's of the kingdom of heaven. First and foremost, we are citizens. And so, yes, while conquerors and takeover and these words like go into all the world are big and are mean sounding to the soft culture that we live in today we fully intend on making good on every single promise God made available to us every single miracle he said was available to us every single discipline he said we had to do we plan on making good on everything in God's word and everything his cross has given us power for amen so many of us, we live lives like we have exhausted the cross of Jesus of its power. Friends, you and I, we haven't even begun to exhaust the cross of Jesus of its power. Amen. 
Friends, you could be on your best week sinning as hard as you can in the Sinner's Olympics. You could be placing gold in every single event. All of hell could be breaking loose in your lives. And for the Christian, you will never be able to outperform in sin what Jesus performed on the cross. Amen? Come on. This is the inexhaustible power of God. And this is what he's made available to us. And so I want to scoot down to part of this where in verse 37 Paul says, no, no, you are, and we're going to get back because what I want to do is I want to tell you uh, what you are, and then I want to tell you what that means. Does that sound good? Somebody say, that sounds good. I got any conquerors in the place? Amen. Then let's read it. Verse 37, he says, no, no. Can we put that up there? In all these things, we are more. Somebody say, more. We are more. We're not less than. We are the head, not the tail. We are first. We are not last. We are seated above, not seated below. Come on, somebody. We are more. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, I love this. I love this because here we are. And uh, we're the church in 2022, so some of us are a bit cynical. It's okay. I'm going to call you out today. I'm going to put on the website. First thing you need to know about visiting Takeover Church, don't come to get offended. <laughs> like, <laughs> Be inoffendable if you want to be a part of this house, okay? We're cynical. And we hear this and we're like, oh, here's this young guy. And he's like preaching like this sound. He's got tattoos and tight pants. And he's telling us to be conquerors. What is this junior high youth group guy think he's doing? We hear that. We're like, this is JV, Matt. Conquerors. Yeah, I remember the conqueror strength team that came to my high school and bent some pants and ripped some phone books when phone books were a thing. Yeah. Like, we look at this and we hear more than conqueror and we think it's JV. We hear more than conqueror and we think it's basic. But if it's so basic, why aren't you living it? If conquering is so basic, then why is it not your default? If conquering, oh, we're more than conquerors. We put it on all those cool shirts in the early 2000s. If we're more than conquerors, and this is so JV to you, then why aren't you taking gold in varsity? <laughs> you want to know why? Because when we hear more than conquerors, we think of David conquering Goliath. We think of Elijah conquering the prophets of Baal, the former prophets of Baal. We think of warring nations and countries and one of them coming out on top, right? We, we, we all know what a conquering a conqueror does, but we don't really know what a conqueror is. We simply know the byproduct of conquering, a complete and total takeover, but we don't actually understand what a conqueror is. And so if we could, we're going to go to the Greek. Who loves the Greek? Matt loves the Greek. Why? Because I'm a Greek geek. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I got one laugh. That was great. Kelsey, if you could throw that up. Here's this word. You're going to see it. Nikau. Nikao. 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 Somebody say Nikao. Nikao. We see here in this verse, we see the word conquering. Conquering in the Greek is this Greek word, Nikao. That's how you actually enunciate it, but we can, we can say it for the sake of time. Nikao. 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 It is hard. It does not roll off the tongue. You got to get some popcorn up there. You know, it's ugh, like that. It sounds horrible. Nikao. But Nikau is actually the Greek word for conquering. And Nikau is where actually, you ever heard of Nike? This is where Nike gets their name from. 
They get their name, Nike, from the Greek word Nikau. But problem is, as great as that name is and that brand may be, they are uh, morally bankrupt. But aside from that, <laughs> Matt hates everybody. No. I'm just for the kingdom of God, and I think some Christians should start putting out some good shoes. Okay? Am I preaching? But this is where they get it. And so Nike's actual name is Victory. 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 Nike in the Greek is victory. And this is where they get this word from. And so their slogan is Nike, just do it. You know what I love? Victory, just do it. Victory, just do it. So as immoral as they may be, that's a great name. Victory, just do it. And then Michael Jordan comes into the slide. Like, all the sense in the world. But for this word, more than conquerors, it's not just simply Nike, it's Nikau. Nik-a-o. Nikau. And it means this. The one who carries off with victory. The one who carries off with victory. And I'm sitting here going, man, what would our lives look like if we actually believed this? Like, we didn't just read this, but we believed this. Like, what would our lives look like? What would your relationships, your marriage, your finances, your witness at work, your witness at the grocery store, your witness at the bar, some of us? Like, what would your witness for Christ in the earth look like if you actually believed that victory wasn't just made available to you as an event on the cross, but it's been made to you as a perpetual place of existence from the cross. What would your life look like? What would your life look like if you realized, no, 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 Jesus didn't just obtain one victory for me. He obtained residence for me in victory. Like touchdown is where I reside. Like first place is where I live. Like, Victory Lane is where I set up shop. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Like, victory isn't just something I have, but victory is something I am. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? We don't simply obtain victory. We are victory. We don't just simply have a victory. We live from victory. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Oh, man, I think you're just living to tickle some ears. I'm not. I'm, I'm here to kick some butts. Because you know what? I love you. And as your pastor, if I had a way for you to live a life of victory, don't you think I should tell you? Yes. No, because Matt just perpetually loves cleaning up his sheep all the time. No. Pastor, shepherd, get the reference? I love you. But I don't want to just clean up after you. I want to equip you. I don't want to just clean up after you. I want to equip you for every good work, for every miracle, for everything God has set above and available for you on the cross. Man, he didn't go for mere talk. He came for power. And that power is victory. His name is victory. Your inheritance is victory. He didn't simp you didn't simply inherit powerless promises. You inherited it in your sonship and your daughtership powerful victory. Am I preaching from anybody this morning? 
this is your inheritance. This is what he died for. He says, in fact, he goes on to say, he doesn't just pause right there at a victory. He says, you are more than the one who carries off with victory. You are more than. What are the implications? What are the implications of that sentence? What does that mean? How is that even possible? You mean I don't simply just have victory as a perpetual place in which I can live and can reside and can operate out of and prayer from and live from and give from and be from, but I am more than. I am more than. What does that even mean? Well, you were created in the image of God and his likeness, amen? And how many of you know God is more than victory? God is more than victory. And he has created you as a son, as a daughter, and he has made you to be more than simply someone who has the occasional victory. He has made you to be a person of victory. Victory isn't an occasion for the believer. Victory is the reality for the believer. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. This is who you are. This is who we are. This is what we do. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? I just need one Christian to leave here today with this actually on the inside of them. And I believe we will see a workplace turn around. I believe we will see a family turn around. I believe we will see generational curses broken and generational blessings precede them. I believe that we can just get one of you, if I can set one of you on fire to actually believe what is coming out of my mouth, Grand Rapids, Wyoming, Granville, Kentwood, Rockford, Walker, Cedar Springs, everywhere in between would actually be set ablaze because you would know every threshold you pass over you have victory what's the threshold that's that little bottom of the door that you walk through in case you didn't know but if we would actually believe this man imagine what we'd see instead so many of us we accept defeat as a Christian on a daily basis. Well, I got good news for you. Somebody say good news. I got good news for you. Victory is what we are. And now I want to tell you what that means. Does that sound good? So we go back up to the beginning of this passage. And Paul says, in our weakness, pause. Because now it seems like I'm contradicting myself, doesn't it? No, 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 no. Friends, God is acutely aware of your humanness, which is why he sent Jesus to the cross to redeem your humanity. He is completely aware. He is not far off. He is not uninitiated or unassociated with. He knows you in and out. He knows your name. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows your today. He knows your yesterday. He knows your last night from some of us, and he knows your tomorrow, okay? He knows you. He knows you. And so when Paul says, in our weakness, He's not starting off and contradicting himself. He is setting up the picture for what he will go on later to say. But here is what happens when you understand that you are more than a conqueror. That victory isn't a one-time event for you, but it is your permanent residency. You are a citizen of victory. Every situation, every circumstance, every problem can be a place of victory for you. You've only got to believe it. He says, in our weakness, in our weakness. He understands. 
he understands. He starts off, and he is like, in our weakness. He understands. He's not unaware of what Rome was doing. He's not unaware of what happens in that place. He's not unaware of temptation. Man, where they would actually go to meet with church, they would have to pass by peep shows and girls flirting and boys flirting and all of these things. They would go through every single temptation there possibly could. Money handlers and gamblers and game changers and all these things. Every single sin was readily available on the way to church for the Roman church. Because most of them lived outside the city, but met inside the city. And they had to pass by to get to that upper room, to that meeting place, to those courtyards where Peter's shadow would begin healing people. Paul is not unaware, not unaware at all of their circumstances and situations. And God is not unaware of what you hold in your back pocket right now called a phone. We all have it. Sin of every kind is immediately available to us, even on the way to church. God is not unaware of our weaknesses. In fact, God in his goodness, I told you this was good news, God in his goodness, the reason we are able to be more than conquerors is because of this. When Jesus Christ went to the cross for every single one of us, when we bend the knee, when we believe, when we say, I want that Savior, I want that relationship, come be Lord, come be Savior, come be King, come be it all. I want to only do the bidding of your majesty. When we bend that knee and we go to Jesus and we accept everything he has for us, Jesus said, it is better that I go, that the Holy Spirit, the advocate, would come. So Paul starts off and he says, in our weakness, we have the Holy Spirit. And so we're sitting here going, how do I obtain victory? How do I live from victory? How do I do this? What does that even look like in a practical level? I'm sorry, I don't have practicality for you. I have supernatural ability for you. It's called the Holy Spirit. Because Paul says, in our weakness, when we are too down, when we are too dumb, when we don't know, when we are unaware, when we are too down in the dumps, when we are too depressed, when we are too confused, when too much is going on, when we are just heavy burdened and heavy laden, or when we don't even know why, but we just feel all sorts of spiritually backed up and attacked, and we just feel gunk and nasty for days. He says, the Holy Spirit is praying for you. Let's pause right there. The Holy Spirit is praying for you. God, in his infinite goodness, did not just give you a one-time victory with Jesus on the cross, but instead, from that one-time victory for all, gave you a permanent victorian on the inside of you, a victor who will live on the inside of you, not victorian, sorry, a victor that will live on the inside of you, and he intercedes and stands in the gap on your behalf. Now, how would we live and what would our lives look like if we actually believed that? I mean, because I know I've been there. God, I don't even know what to say to you. I've been off. I've been dabbling. I've been reaching back to my old chains for they comfort me sometimes. I've been going back to old girls and old bottles and old habits and old drugs and old this and old that. And I've been putting all of my hope and insurance and money and I can just never have enough of it. And all that time, all that time, while we are backslidden, while we are brokenhearted, while we are confused, while we find ourselves just destitute and overwhelmed, 
when all of hell is breaking loose in the culture around us and we are just going, I don't even know what to do with myself. The Holy Spirit is pleading our case, is interceding for us, is going to God for us. When we don't even know what to pray, He is shielding us from things that we have opened up our lives to. Come on, somebody. If you only knew what God has continually saved you from, not just the exit sketch of your past for an afterlife, but the continual uh, cancellation of attacks from the demonic on the outside of you. I preach to anybody this morning. The Holy Spirit has saved you daily more than you will ever know. But we fail to recognize it. But I'm telling you, we... When we say there's always something to praise God about, there always is because he's always pleading your case. How good is it that God in his infinite goodness and love for you chose to give you an advocate for the rest of this life, not just the one-time salvation, but for the rest of this natural life. He said, it's not good that you be alone. I need to be on the inside of you. Some of us, we have such a hard time and we have mad control issues trusting anything outside of us and God goes that's okay I'll be on the inside I'll be on the inside and when you are too broken and when you don't even know who you are anymore when you feel like you are losing your way I will be on the inside of you just groaning prayers that don't even make sense to you but you could never articulate these things and I will pray them to God the Father on your behalf how many of you are grateful for a God who prays on your behalf I mean, he prays and groans the things that you don't even know you need to be praying for. You're going, money's the biggest concern. The government's the biggest concern. Culture's the biggest concern. My marriage is the biggest concern. And all the while, you are a Christian with all of hell's arrows targeted at your back, and the Holy Spirit is shutting it all down, and you don't even know it. You don't even know what has been brought about on your life and cursed on your life and spoken over your life and the generational curses because of what your parents and grandparents and grandfathers and grandmothers and people all the way back have done in your line and the devil's been or and the holy spirit has been canceling them one by one things you don't even know you need to pray about what would your life look like if you realized today wow i've been through some things but imagine what i would have went through had the holy spirit not been there some of us We've had some Holy Spirit discernment in our lives where, man, we were about to get in bed with somebody and the Holy Spirit was like, nah. And you, need, you weren't even praying. You were just getting ready to do it, but he saved you from yourself. Some of us, we've been getting ready to do business deals and the Holy Spirit was like, nah. And you were just like, I just don't feel good about this. And the Holy Spirit saves you from yourself. Some of you, you were getting ready to have conversations with someone that he's like, no, 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 I'm already active in this person. I'm breaking these walls down. Be that friend to them in the midst of it. I'm taking care of this. And he saves you from burning bridges. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Some of us, man, we've had some things go on in our marriages. And the Holy Spirit has been like, no, 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 we don't run. This is Gomer. You're Hosea. You need to remain you need to be loved. You need to pursue. You need to be patient. You need to lay down. And you're going, you're not even praying for your spouse anymore. You're praying to God to get out of your marriage. And the Holy Spirit is interceding on your behalf. And somehow the fruits of the Spirit, long-suffering, patience, grace, kindness, all of these things, they are outworking in your life even when you're not praying about it. That's how good your God is. This is what it looks like to carry off with victory to live more from 
victory. I love it. And friends, this moves us on to that varsity level of, of mature Christianity. Again, this wilderness area is where the Christian is forged, okay? This is where we are battle-tested, tried, and true. Do I want, is there any Christians in the house that want to be battle-tested, tried, and true? Does anybody want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant at the end of this? Does anybody want to run the race of good faith the way God has called you to do it? Paul's like, man, the Holy Spirit, he intercedes for you. He pleads your case. He goes to God, and here's the thing. He says, <laughs> he says, he prays God's will over your life. While we're out here doing our best we can do to follow Jesus, more often than not chasing our own will for our life, the Holy Spirit is praying God's will over your life. How good is God? How good is the Holy Spirit? How good is what Jesus did on the cross, amen? We are out here living every which way but God's will for our lives. We're living our parents' will. We're living our dreams. We're living our ambitions, the ambitions of our company we're living to do, all of these things. We start living for all of these other wills but God's. And the Holy Spirit remains praying God's will over your life. This is what it looks like to be more than simply a one-time victor. This is what it looks like to be a person who carries off with the victory. You take victory with you everywhere you go because you take the Holy Spirit with you everywhere you go. You take victory with you into every situation because you take the Holy Spirit with you into every situation. I'm preaching to anybody this morning. Every single sin, every single doubt, every single depression, every single brokenness, every time your body is sick and fallen and unwell, you can have victory because you carry victory with you. We spent two years shutting things down and calling people carriers of COVID. The church should have been remaining open, saying, you are carriers of victory, of faith, not of fear. I'm a preacher to anybody. Of Christ and not COVID. We have been here. We are victors. And then he says this. Holy Spirit's praying God's will over you. It's so good. And then he says, <laughs> I love this. And then all things, we love this verse. It is on every Christian soccer van uh, in West Michigan. It is on every notebook, that Baker publishing store. It is on everything that has anything to do with Jesus in our city, okay? And God will make all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. And we're like, yeah, we love it. Put it on my shirt. Put it on my van. Put it everywhere. God will make all things work out to the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. We love that verse, don't we? But God making all things work out for the good of those doesn't mean God makes all things work together for your liking. Soft spot? Wounds? I'll make all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, but the good of those does not mean to the liking of those. You see, we live in such an idealistic place, in an idealistic time, with altruism reigning supreme, and we have these fallen ideas that we think if we could do this, we would reach some sort of supreme, higher level, evolved, utopian future where harmony exists in the earth, but harmony does not exist in the earth where Jesus is not king. Harmony does not exist in the earth where Jesus is not king. Am I preaching? 
Harmony will not be in your marriage if Jesus is not king. Harmony will not be in your sexuality if Jesus is not king. Harmony will not be in your friendships if Jesus is not king. Harmony will not be in your workplace if Jesus is not king. Harmony will not be in your finances if Jesus is not king. Harmony will not be where you need harmony if Jesus is not king. Harmony will not be on eHarmony if Jesus is not king. You know it's true. There might be plenty of fish, but there won't be any harmony if Jesus is not king. Friends, we have to let our idealism die so the kingdom of heaven can reign. We have to let idealism die so kingdom of heaven cannot reign. Friends, can I tell you the reason we try and live life at our own pace and our own time, doing our own thing with our own mission, isn't because we don't trust God. It's because we haven't actually tasted and seen what God says is best for our lives, is actually better for our lives. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? This is the reality of which he is asking us to live from. Taste and see that the Lord is good, but we'll never taste and see if we don't let him be Lord. We'll never taste and see if we don't let him be king. We'll never taste and see if we don't let him decide. Some of us, we have not given God's way of dating a try, and so therefore we haven't tasted and seen it. Some of us, we, we haven't allowed God's way in our relationships to be the standard where gossip is shut down and adultery isn't an option and divorce is never a word that is spoken in our homes. We haven't given God's way a try long enough to taste and see that it's actually better than our desires. He says, I'll make all things work together for your good. But it's what's God, but his, for our good is what God says is best. For our good is what God says is best. This is the reality. I don't know why we would expect kingdom fruit without living by kingdom principles. Like, why do we expect a kingdom harvest by not, but not living by kingdom principles? God, give me that big calling and dream. And God says right here, he says, I will make all things work together for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Many are called, but few make the freaking cut. Many are called, but few answer the call. Many are called, but few pick up the phone. You see, God in his infinite goodness, he created you all with a purpose. Worship team, you can make your way up here. He created you with an infinite purpose. One of which you could not shake. One of which you could not drown yourself out enough to. One of which you could not numb yourself so completely from that it would not just keep you up at night. It would not just keep echoing in your soul. Even if you never come to know Jesus, as your personal Lord and Savior, God still made you a person of purpose. The difference is this. A believer, when they answer the call, they call people unto God. An unbeliever, when they answer the call, they call people unto themselves. That's the huge difference. God in his infinite goodness and grace has made every single person in his image and likeness, and he has placed a call on your life. But whether you're going to be a conqueror and a carrier of victory or not will determine whether you lead people to Jesus with your calling or you lead people to yourself with your calling. Friends, we're going to be conquering in the wilderness. If we're going to conquer in this hour, this is the reality of which we have got to get our minds around. It will not always work out to our liking. It will always work out to God's 
best. Those have to be on the same page. And he's not changing his best, so we have to change our liking. He's not changing what he says is best. We have to change what we like. And friends, I'm telling you, if you'll give his best a chance, you will taste and see that the Lord is, in fact, good. The kingdom is good. So Paul says, if you guys would stand, we're going to pray and we're going to go into this last part of worship. Amok and lies are being portrayed as truth. 
church. Amen. So we're going to pray for some activation. All y'all staff members in the back by the prayer sign, I need you up front. We're going to sing open the scroll, break the seals, worthy one. Why? Because it's through the Bible and it's what God said. But right now I'm asking that God would break open the scrolls of the call of God on our lives. Some of us, you're being called into politics this morning. This is your mission. Some of you, you're being called into other mothers in our community and in our city. That is the mission. Some of you, you're being called into adoption. That is the mission. Some of us, you're being called into a greater level of giving. That is the mission. Some of us this morning, you're being called to go to the nations. That is the mission. But you'll never walk in everything that God has for you if you do not first accept been leading in your home. This is your moment. Come get activated. There is no shame. This is 